0: The following for the city sermon is from our sermon series by Pastor Scott Rising entitled Feast for Failures from the Book of Luke. We hope you enjoy it. Hey, if you were not here the last two weeks, what you missed was, I'm just going to say it real quick, God broke his silence of 400 years. There had been 400 years of silence where there had been no prophet, nothing, nothing, was happening now God was always at work but Israel was wondering like why why is nothing happening no prophet no no word from God nothing and he breaks his silence when he sends the angel Gabriel and an angel means messenger and he he sent this messenger to Elizabeth right and to Zechariah who were Zechariah was in the temple and he was lighting the incense and, and basically said listen your wife who's barren is going to be barren no more. She is going to be pregnant. You're going to do the deed and the thing's going to happen and you're going to give birth to a baby and his baby, that name is John, right? And he's going to be the one who comes crying out of the wilderness. The, the spirit of Elijah will be on him and he's going to pave the way for the one who's to come. And who's that? Well, that's, that's Messiah. That's Jesus, right? So then Gabriel goes up north and, and he goes and he, and he appears to, to Mary and he says, Mary, I know you're a virgin, we're going to do a miracle about that, and you're going to be pregnant, and his name is going to be Jesus, and you're going to give birth to the Messiah, right? So, okay, that's, that's quite some anticipation, right? And Jesus, oh, by the way, means Savior. He's coming to seek and save the lost. So, with that, that's good news. That's really good news. They have to be very excited to hear this, this angel speak this, this word of truth to them. The question is, how do they respond right how do they respond so let's look at Luke 1 we're just going to look at 39 through 45 right now i'm going to read it and give a little narration and then let's let's get into the first point in those days mary arose so she just heard the word that she was going to give birth to baby jesus right she doesn't understand all of what that means but she understands quite a bit and as she went she went with haste right quickly she hears the news she goes into the hill country to a town in judea by the way just so you know, it's about 70 to 100 miles from where she was. Yeah, that's the face you should make, Ruby, because there's no Uber driver, right? Kevin, you're not going to pick this girl up, <laughs> right? How did she get there? The, the Bible doesn't tell us, quite honestly. Like, I want to know, like 70 to 100 miles, did she just be like, Psh, run? Like, how many days would that take, right? Did she, she say, hey, I should probably Grab a couple friends in case you know I get beat up along the way. Did she have a pit stop? Did she have family? Did she just keep on trekking? I have no clue, but that's that's all you get. You just have to imagine what might have happened. But she gets there. And and she enters the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And listen to this. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, listen, the baby leaped in her womb. It's awesome. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. By the way, notice, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaking through her in this moment. And, and don't miss this. We worship one God, three distinct persons, right? Father, Son, Spirit. The Holy Spirit is... He is. Right? He's not smoky. He's not mystical. But you know what? They call him the shy member of the Trinity, Because I want you to know something. One thing he loves to do is make much of Christ. And that's exactly what he's doing right here in this moment. So all who believe in Jesus for salvation have the gift of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us to make much of Christ, right? So just don't miss that point. And we're going to keep talking about that as we go. So listen as as it continues. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment that was spoken to her from the Lord. All right, first point, ready? The gospel demands a response. The gospel demands a response. As I was talking with my wife last night, she said, that's, that's a pretty... That's a pretty powerful word, demands. I said, yep, it's intentionally used. Good news requires a response. All news requires a response, by the way. And and so, real quick, there's a couple ways to respond. You can respond with joy, (laughs) repentance, and faith. I believe that message. That's an amazing message. Wow, exuberant. Woo! You can respond with indifference. I could really care less about what you're talking about right now. Yeah, Messiah came to the world. And, right? Who cares? Or you can respond with absolute, you're just detested, get out of here, get away from me with that message of the gospel. But I want you to know there's only one appropriate response, and that is respond with faith, trust, to believe, right, to believe the message. Well, let's look at how they responded. Look at Mary. She responds with faith. You can see it in, in verse 45, believe that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. She hears the message and she, she believes, she believes she had no doubt. She had questions, no doubt. She had questions, but she believed the message and she takes off running. I've got to go see Elizabeth because remember the angel said, oh, and by the way, your relative Elizabeth, she's got a baby too. (gasps) Let's go. I mean, there's no Instagram. There's no Snapchat. You got to go see her. She's 70 miles away. I've had people say, "Eh, I don't know. It's really hard to get to church. It's like a five-minute drive. She went 70-plus miles. No heated seats, no air conditioning, no nothing. She responds, and she doesn't even blink. Miss Young Woman, don't don't miss this. She's blessed. She is blessed. But it's not just because she was chosen to be the mother of the Messiah. It's, It's because she believed. God gave her grace to believe the message that if you believe the message if you believe the gospel I want you to know today you are blessed <laughs> you're blessed because not because you're all that in a bag of chips you're not so intellectual that you're like well of course I believed no it's because God opened up your darkened mind and let light shine in and gave you this gift of grace right? And, and he gave that. We know that from last week. So, so Mary is, is a blessed woman, and she responds by belief. How about Elizabeth? Well, she was filled with the Holy Spirit as she greets Mary, right? And, with, and she's got to be filled with wonder and happiness as this message comes, and as she sees Mary walking through the door. Remember, Mary's probably 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, right? And, and she sees her, and she's excited. Why? Because the dawning of joy is upon her, she knows. We, they've been praying, you got to know, they've been praying for Messiah to come ever since the promise was made in the garden, right? And, and God's people were always, when is it, when is the day, right? If, if you're in Christ right now, you may be thinking, when is the day that Jesus returns, right? To set up the kingdom in full, right? It's here, but looking around, Lord, and, and I'm hoping it's, it's better than this. Oh yeah, it will be. I, he's going to make all things new all things. Sin will be eradicated, right? No more darkness, only light shining constantly. You won't need the sun because my glory will shine. Okay, we're longing for that day. Well, joy is coming to them. The, The promised redeemer and the redemption is coming. It offers deliverance. It offers security. There's pardon. There's justice. Oh, they've been longing for this and they just had an angel come and say, it's here. I mean, it's here. Okay. Oh, by the way, don't miss. John got a kick out of it too. Right? You know, baby John, right? In utero, he like leaped. Oh, if you think that's just like, oh, well, of course he did. Okay. Listen, he leapt for joy at the sight of Mary because he knows baby in utter darkness and fluid. The light of the world's coming, and this woman, she's carrying him. I mean, that's a prophet. Oh, they're j- he's jazzed about Jesus, right? He'll, he'll go on in, in the Gospel of John and say, I must decrease. This one must increase. This one being Christ. He is the Word of God. He is the Lamb of God. He is the one who's come to take away the sins of the world. You have been coming to me for discipleship. You ought to go to him. And he points to him, right? But even here. As a little baby, six months probably at this point in Elizabeth's belly, her womb, and he's jazzed about Jesus, right? So you have, how are they responding? They're full of delight. I mean, what a scene, what, what, what a scene. D- this would have been an awesome moment to be there, right? Because you have an old, formerly barren woman, right? You have a young teenage girl who's a virgin, and is pregnant. That's interesting. Listen to last week, right? You have a baby who, once again, he's not seen daylight, but he has light. Why? Because he's actually been filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that from earlier. (laughs) That's wild. That's wild, right? This, you are indeed blessed, Mary. You're blessed. Um, By the way, (laughs) what does it mean to be blessed? Don't, don't miss the point that Luke's bringing home in this moment right here, right now. The gospel brings happiness to God's people, joy to God's people, right? This is what it means to be blessed. Um, some we, Man, our culture loves to throw around this word, blessed, hashtag bless. right? Bless you, bless this, bless your heart, right? Bless me, right? I mean, you'd be blessed, blessed, they just say bless right? It's just, it's just on the lips of everyone as they walk around. And it's almost like some kind of spirit sprinkle word for like, hey, happy fortunes to you. Let's throw some confetti. But most people don't even know what it means. Most people don't know what it means. Listen, I, I don't know Greek, but I'm about to drop some Greek on you. I know people who do know Greek. And listen, makarios, you want to say that with me? Yeah, that was really good, actually. Uh, I had to practice this numerous times, but I'm like, they don't even know what it means or how to say it, so I just to say it how I want, and I just have to look, look like I believe it. I do. Makarios. You know what it means? That's the word that's translated in Greek to English for blessed. It means happy. Enlarged. Happy, right? To enlarge your emotion, your heart, to see. It, it does have a sense of fortune, but it's not like a fortune cookie. It's Grace. Oh, if you see Messiah as beautiful, you are indeed blessed. She's a blessed woman. See, this, this matters. This matters deeply because it speaks of the inner being of our soul as Christians. Right, Um, you know, I was listening to a song on the way in. Not, I didn't, I didn't tune it up. It just was on when I had my earbuds in, and it is well within my soul. Right, it is well with my soul, and I was listening to that as I was walking, and and that's what it means. That's a blessed experience if you understand the the impact of God's grace shown to a sinful people to have the opportunity by God's grace to draw near to a holy God, as a broken, failed sinful people because of his divine mercy shown through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, you indeed are blessed. I also want to say this. If the gospel doesn't stir your affections, I mean stir your affections. We're talking about emotions, right? Towards God, then I want you to know something is just wrong. There's a disconnect. I'm not going to pronounce judgment on you because I don't know your heart. But if you just come to a gathering and you're like, hum, drum, let me drop my little check in the thing and go, check, and, and you never give thought to the love or the grace of God, something's wrong. And you should not sleep well at night until you figure that out. I don't say that to, to be heavy. But I want if it scares you, good. Good. Too many people come into a gathering and their emotions are dull and they don't give a rip what the pastor's saying. They don't give a rip about the word. They don't sing out to Christ. They just sit here. Maybe, I don't know about you, particularly spiritually dead. And I want to make you uncomfortable. Better yet, I want the Holy Spirit to make you uncomfortable. Because what I want in that moment and what I pray for every week is if that's you, Oh, that he would open your eyes to know, (laughs) you're breathing, it's not too late, it's not too late to turn from your sin and trust the Lord Jesus, right? Truth affects emotions, right? If it doesn't, then there's got to be something missing there, right? Because being blessed leads to worship. Don't, Don't miss that. We'll talk about worship as we continue. Look at Mary's response, by the way. Um, it wasn't just belief. Her belief led to something. It led to worship, right? She wrote a song. I don't know if she wrote it. Maybe she wrote it in her 70-mile journey. Maybe, man, you look at it, you almost think she had to have been looking at Hannah's song. Not this Hannah, although she's a great Hannah. Um, but, but Hannah, who, who wrote a song because God had visited her in her own need of a child, right? It, it's very similar. But listen, I'm going to just sing it in whole. It's verse 46 through 56. Mary responds with a song of praise. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generation will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. <laughs> I was going to try to sing it, but I want you to enjoy Jesus today. <laughs> and I don't know the tune, and I can't carry one if I did. But that's a song, right? She's responding in a song. It's Mary's worshipful, prayerful, like, poem or song of praise and notice, by, by the way, don't miss that she's focused on the divine, man, just the nature of God. There's three main things she's focusing on in that particular song His power, His might, His strength, right? That's one, right? His, his holiness, right? The fact that He is so far apart from me as a sinful woman, right? Or I'm not the sinful woman, Mary. And then not only that, but His eternal mercy. She focuses on these three particular things. And and I want you, don't miss this. One commentary writer wrote this. He said, Mary's hymn of praise has God as the subject of the verbs. Why why does this matter? Well, it matters greatly. You can walk into a lot of churches nowadays and not have anything that you're singing focus on God. It focuses on the worshiper. And it's, it's just, it's a mistake. It's an error. It's an oversteer. It's consumerism. It it puts man at the center and removes God from his throne. Can I tell you something we don't need help with? That. You and I do not need help putting yourself in the position of, oh, because you're already pretty excited about you. Me too, by the way, right? Like we wake up every day thinking we're pretty awesome. And even if you think, oh, I don't think I'm that awesome, you just have reverse pride. It's just reverse humility. You're still thinking about you. We need to think big thoughts of God. Mary gives us a great example. Worship songs ought to center on God, not man. Is there a time and a place for that maybe in a response song? Yeah. So if you ever have one who says, oh, that song said I, I'm saying the, the majority of the songs ought to focus on the greatness of God and our need for him right? And our response is singing out in faith. And it, I don't want to get into a, a worship song uh, sermon, but it has a vertical and a horizontal notion to it. We sing to God, we sing to one another that encourages the saints to sing to God, to worship God, to love God, to delight in God, to magnify God. This is what worship is. And it's so much more than that. But don't miss it. That's why I'm very thankful for the songs that we're seeking to sing. We don't do it perfectly, but we're aiming to put Christ at the front of everything we do here so that you'll shrink and he'll enlarge in your heart, because that's what worship is. That's what worship is. We we came here primarily so that Christ would be more famous in Greensburg today, tomorrow, and for years to come than he was before we got here. And how you do that is by laboring in making disciples who love to make much of Christ. That's what we're seeking to do. And so God help us because we need you to do that. That's the second point, by the way. Ready? Worship, it's so much more than this, but I had to put it in a sentence. Worship is responding to God for who he is, What he has done, I would love to say, in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And what he's doing, comma, and what he will do because he's promised it. I should have said that too. Uh, My wife pointed that out last night too. Um, She's a good helper. I need to talk with her before I send the map over. (sighs) This is what Mary's doing in this song. That's exactly what she's doing. She's singing praises to God because of what he's done in the Lord Jesus Christ. And she has much to teach us in that. Like, Notice once again, 46 and 47 of Luke 1. My soul magnifies the Lord, she says. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. I mean, this young expectant teenage girl, she's not overwhelmed with worry. By the way, she has a lot to worry about. She has a lot to worry about. For instance, like um, pregnancy would maybe cause worry for a 12, 13, 14 year old girl, just in itself, right? Um, what's Joseph gonna think? Do you think he'll believe me? Oh God, I hope he does, right? He'll need help. He gets it, right? Spoiler alert. Um, what might my parents think? They've, they've already said I'm betrothed and I'm this man and oh, what might they think? Okay, maybe I can tell them and maybe they'll believe me because they know me, they know my character. What will the onlooking people of my town think? She do not think any of that. She's not focused on herself at all. What does she do? She unapologetically, she's so Godward in her thinking, she's making great the Lord. Oh, She doesn't have her eyes on her navel. She has her eyes on her Savior, which would be in her naval area. Anyway, something. I'm sorry, that just, anyway, pray for me. What does it mean to magnify or to enlarge in, make great the Lord? What does that mean? Because listen, Mary can't make God bigger right? Like when we say we want to magnify the Lord, it's not like, well, we're doing something. You, you, don't, you don't make God bigger. He's, don't have words, immensely big, right? Like he's huge. That's so lame, right? But gigantic. I, I don't know. Bigger than you and I can comprehend. I'll tell you that. And so I'm like, well, I need to phone a friend to help me with language here. So I have a good friend named John Piper and I phoned him up. Not really, but I did look up a quote, and I'm going to read it to you. Listen to what he says. John Piper says, magnify has two distinct meanings in relationship to God. One is worship and one is wickedness. You can magnify like a telescope or like a microscope. When you magnify like a microscope, you make something tiny look bigger than it is. A dust mite can look like a monster Pretending to magnify God like that is wickedness. But when you magnify like a telescope, you make something unimaginably great look like what it really is. With the Hubble telescope, pinprick galaxies in the skies are are revealed for the billion star giants that they are. Magnifying God like that is worship. End quote. Mary is involved in telescopic worship, to use his language, right? She she has come to see the, the coming of the Lord as something of the vastness, the greatness, and the beauty, and the glory of God in a very fresh way. And she's responding with praise from her heart, coming off her lips. Now, you can praise with your lips and it not be in your heart. Jesus will rebuke the Pharisees for that. He says, why is it that you worship me with your lips, but your heart is far from me? in vain you worship me, meaning worthless, meaningless. I don't show up here. You'd be better to stay at home in your PJs. He didn't really say that, but that's what he's saying when it's vain. I don't want to offer vain worship to God. I don't want to offer meaningless worship to God. So don't play with this God, because you can fool tons of people here. They'll, be, they'll even maybe come up and pat you on the back and say, man, you really, I saw that hand up there, woo, right? What, you got your hands up in your heart? Great, then let them come out here. But don't put your hands up if your heart is like cold, doll, doesn't care. Why? Because God wants authentic, real, genuine worship that comes from the heart out. Out. We worship inside out, not outside in. And so maybe your first step of worship is, I don't desire you, God. There's nothing inside of me that wants to magnify you. That'd be a great step towards proper worship, to humble yourself and to ask for help, because that's humility. How about you? That's Mary. How about you? Okay. How about me? Are you involved in telescopic worship or microscope wickedness? That's a great question to ask yourself because everyone is magnifying someone or something. Make no mistake about it. You and I all make great something all the time all the time. Just think about it. What is on your lips on Monday morning when you see your coworkers? Oh, I can't wait to tell you this. And I'm not saying you got to like shoot them over the little, you know, meme that shows Jesus wrestling the devil and says like this, if you love Jesus and if you don't, you're going to hell. That's stupid, right? It's stupid. It really is stupid. You could send that. No one like it. Still go to heaven. People like it. Not go to heaven, right? Because it's not dependent on that. That's silliness. But what is it that gets your heart really in tune is it the Lord there's times our hearts are cold and you might be walking with the Lord so I'm not saying that you're always just skipping on the clouds. but what is it you love to make much of because everybody does it you're either God-centered or you're me-centered make no mistake about that and if we could be honest none of us worship God perfectly none of us not even on our best day Not even close. Many times our view, I would say almost always, or probably always, of God is too small because of our self-centeredness, right? i had heard it one time that a quarter can block out the sun if you bring it close enough to your eye. It's very true. Same thing can happen with ourselves. We can be so focused on us, we don't see this glowing ball of greatness in the sky, right? I'm mixing metaphors here. But You can be so focused on you even though you believe in God that you don't see him because you just see yourself and you make God small and you make yourself big. That can happen when you're suffering. That can happen when the sun is shining, all sorts of times because we're prone towards like worship drift as God's people. We really are, right? Um, What happens when your view of God is too small? You'll start to believe things like this, ready? I'm just going to list off a few. God is not good. You won't say it, but you'll think it, right? I need to, so because he's not good, I need to control every aspect of my life, which creates anxiety. And you start grabbing for things that you can bring into your sphere of influence so you can feel safe and protected. Life's all about the here and now. So, hey, turn down for what, right? God does not love me. Prayer makes no difference. Sharing the gospel makes no difference. Living a godly life makes no difference. Hey, grace abounds. God does not see all that I do behind the scenes, so I got to make it known. Hashtag blessed, right? Jesus will not return ever, so who cares? There's unbelief battling in your heart there if you're a Christian. And, And what's happening is you're, as if you could, dethroning Christ as the ruler of your heart, and you're saying, I know best. You've been there? I have. Is your view of God too small? If so, it means your view of you is probably too big. Your view of you is probably too big. Do you worship someone or something else? These are good questions to ask yourself. If then, please know that you're in the grips of idolatry, idol worship. You're worshiping creature rather than creator. You got to hear me here because in our super enlightened culture, we don't like to use words like idolatry. You know what we do instead? Um, we say things like this. People don't have idols. They just have issues. You ever said that? You ever thought that? It's not an idol I love. It's got, yeah, It's got some issues. You, well, by the way, you do have issues. So do I. We all have issues. But many times, we don't use Bible words or, or think like that because we would rather just say issues because that makes me feel not so bad about myself. You know, there's times... You need to feel the weight of sin. You don't just pop Romans 8.1 in your mouth like a Xanax and say, well, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is true. That is true. And you ought to cling to that with every ounce of being that you are and have. But that doesn't mean that when you sin, you ought not feel the pain of the sin. Because when you're in Christ and you sin against God the Father and Christ and the Spirit, God What happens in that moment, it's not so much about breaking laws as it is you are hurting the relationship, but his mercy is more. It will abound. His grace will abound. But we know from Ephesians, you grieve the Holy Spirit in that moment. And so if you're living in habitual sin, you ought not have any hope that you've got joy in your heart, and exuberant praise on your lips because God will not allow it. He will weigh heavy on your heart until you say, I've been worshiping someone or something else other than you. And the only thing that brings joy in that moment is repentance. Oh God, forgive me. You're not giving him information in that moment. What you're saying is I've set up an altar and on that altar's me. Forgive me forgive me. Oh, thank you for washing all my sins clean. Thank you that you are just to not only forgive my sins, but to uphold my righteous standing because of everything that Christ has done. And therefore, Lord, create in me a clean heart, one that longs to desire you more than it desires me. Because right now I'm pretty fond of me. That's not an issue. That's sin. It's idolatry. And here's the thing, because of Christ, we can say that boldly as we come to the throne of grace, because guess what you'll be met with? Mercy, grace, forgiveness. He'll lavish love upon you. He will draw near to you as you draw near to him. He'll clean your hands. Oh, he might cause you to weep, but that weeping only lasts for a minute, and joy comes in the morning because he longs for his children to adore him. Why? Because he's insecure? No, because he knows that's what your heart needs, Your heart, my heart, need, we need God. We need to worship Him and adore Him. And there's times I don't. And then that's when i got to cry out. And guess what He meets me with? Grace. He don't leave you. He don't abandon you. He gives you what you need. What you need is Him. He gives you more of Him. And that opens the floodgate for joy and for praise. By the way... the root sin of idolatry is pride. It, it really is. I, Isaiah described Lucifer's, Satan's rebellion in the heavens when he ceased worshiping God because he wanted to be worshiped, right? Uh, you can see it in Isaiah 14, 13 through 14. You said in my heart, this is what it says. I'm not going to talk a ton about it, I'm running out of time, but, but listen, he says, You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heaven. Above the stars of God, right? The angels. I'm going to ascend above them. I will sit. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will make myself like the most high. That's what he said. He wanted to be God. So guess what happened in the garden? Adam and Eve wanted to be like God. God. And guess what's happened ever since the fall when they bit, wasn't an apple, fruit. It might have been an apple. I don't know. But they bit some fruit, forbidden fruit. They shouldn't have had the fruit. And when that happened, guess what happened? All of the, they're image bearers. They reflect the goodness of God. There's no sin in the world. It's fractured in that moment. Guess what? They want to be like God. Therefore, they want to be worshiped. Therefore, every one of their children ever since, that's you, that's me, until Christ takes us out of Adam, puts us in him Once. We want to be worshiped. We just want people to make great of us. Think about it Shaquille O'Neal, seven foot something, rims 10 foot. He can dunk. Yesterday, I was at the park. I'm six foot one and I'm shrinking because gravity's really tough on me. And if I get on my tippy toes, I can literally touch eight something, okay? But I still can't dunk because gravity's tough. But I thought, I only have to get two feet, a little less, right? Shaquille O'Neal, seven foot something, he could probably touch 10 feet and he can dunk. And when he does, he's like, yeah, look at me. You didn't make yourself seven foot. whoop de doo I mean, whoop you do I mean, he's good at basketball. He's an old guy. He's retired, but whoop de doo Did he do that? He didn't do that. But who does he want everyone to look at? Himself. You're just like him. You just like him. So am I. We brag on our gifts and abilities all the time. Who gave you those gifts? Who gave you those abilities? God. Why? To magnify him. Make much of him, not make much of you. Most Christians wouldn't admit that we are so self-centered in our worldview. But if we could be honest, then we would all admit that we do have worship drift. Mark's prone to wander. Guess where it wanders? Inward, not outward. Inward, not outward. You're either moving towards, outward words, towards God, right? Or you're moving inward towards yourself. Um, no, I'm going to skip all that. You just keep coming around. You'll get it again. It saves me writing for next week, probably. Um, when we move outward away from self-worship, what happens is we have greater joy. In Christ, right? This, this is where Mary's song can help us. It really can, right? Mary has a big view of God because she trusted God's word in that moment when she heard it, she obeyed it, right? Um, which, by the way, led her to have joy. She indeed is blessed. We see that. But, but if you take time to study this text, and I would encourage you to do that, if you will, if you'll study her song, what you'll notice is this girl is Bible-saturated. I mean, if you just ring her out, what comes out is the word of God, because that's exactly what what it was made up with. This song is made up mostly of Old Testament quotes. No doubt this girl would have been illiterate. There's no way she would have had training or education to read, but they were a very verbal culture, and so they would read the scriptures. She would go to synagogue, and she would hear the Bible taught, and as she did, she started to cling to things and start to memorize these things, and as she then Whew, God, you're amazing. What came out was Bible, right? Some of the songs nowadays, like, oh, Jesus, you're pretty cool. Kiss me and make it sloppy and wet. I'm like, what are you talking about, a dog? Right? Like, get Bible in your brain. Get Bible in your heart. And then when you praise, Bible will come out. Why? Because that's how God reveals himself most prevalently to us, is through the word of God by the power of the Spirit. So we're a Bible people. Let's join her. Let's join her as we behold Jesus and have our minds transformed. By the way, it won't be popular to do this, especially in the midst of a world that belittles God, belittles him, makes much of themselves. The world says if if you minimize God, then what happens is you will be happy. Don't make much of him. Make much of yourself. You've got one life. Live it. Do you, right? But joy comes from magnifying God. It's when you're off the throne, he's on the throne, and you take your rightful place as a very needy person for grace, for mercy, for forgiveness, and for love. And he loves to pour that out, right? So, so true Christian worship always aims to display the greatness of God to one another and to the onlooking world. That's what we're seeking to do here, right? Third point, third and final point. Gospel response, oh gosh, I love this, Gospel response is not a call for us to do something more, but to celebrate what God has done. That's good news. I mean, Mary magnifies the Lord when she considers things like, he came to visit me in my humble estate. By the way, she's not meaning, I'm so humble. I'm 12 years old, I'm 13, 14, I'm a virgin, I'm betrothed, look at me, I'm very humble. She don't mean that at all. She means, who am I that God would come visit me? Who am I? By the way, if you're in Christ, that ought to be your posture. Not like, of course Jesus would save me, look at me, I'm awesome. No, it's, I can't believe Christ revealed himself to me. In my humble day. I wasn't looking for God. At 23 years old, I definitely wasn't looking for God. And the hound of heaven came and got me. When you understand the gospel, what happens is Christ enlarges in your heart and your mind and you decrease. That's what happened with Mary. She's not making mention of that so everybody can say, look at me. She's saying I was a nobody girl from a nowhere town and God came and got me. She was from the ghetto, not a gated community. Right? And, and Jesus He came to her. God came to her in Christ. Right? So Mary's one of the lowliest people in the land of Israel but her situation has been reversed because of God. Same could be said true of you if you're in Christ, right? No matter what, right? Um, This is how God comes to all of us, by the way. So Mary's praise, listen, is not a revolutionary call to human action, (laughs) but a celebration of God's action. That's what worship is. Now you may do action out of that as worship, but that's, it's not, now we go do these things, right? God's dramatic work is against those who want to take power into their own hands. He says, no, I'll have no other way than I'm the hero. No other way. God meets us in our muck and our mire. Why? Because he's great. Because he's great. Not because we're great. Um, look just briefly with me at Luke 1, 51 through 53. I think this is the heart of Luke. I think this is the heart of Luke's gospel. It says, he has shown strength with his arm. Right? This means he's shown himself to be strong. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. This is... I mean, as we go through the next two years, the Gospel of Luke, keep that text in your heart and in your mind. This is why we're calling it a feast for failures. Spoiler alert, we're all failures. And and God has lovingly sent out a banquet feast in his son Christ to come and to receive and to be satisfied. But you won't come to that feast if you think, no, I'm good. I don't need Jesus. Oh, how wrong you are. The, the proud always seek to magnify themselves when they look down to others and not up to God. And God says, this kingdom's going to be different. Those who are last, they're going to be first. Those who are first, they're going to be last. I'm going to show you what it looks like because I have not come to be served, Jesus would say, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Oh, you want to follow the king? That's where it goes. It's a downward path to joy. Not an upward ascent. Not an upward ascent. That's our humble servant. I'm going to read from Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Because I want, I want us to set our minds on this God. All right? So let the word of God, man, think about these words. Set, set it as a goal to spend time and devotion on this text throughout the week. Would you? Um, Listen to what he says. This is Paul in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. He says, have this mind among yourselves, this mind that God is great, that you are small, that we need him, right? Which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, by taking the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being ob- becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Why? So that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Make no mistake about it. Hear me right now. You will magnify Christ. You will. And you either do it because of his mercy or because of his justice. every tongue will confess. Oh, confess it now. Receive grace. now, praise him now, while there's time. Last night, I was reading some different things, and I come across a Portland listen, Portland, Oregon. Oregon Quaker pastor. That's a lot to say. Um, what a strange fella. What a strange fella he said this, he goes, I preached a sermon today that was a little risky, He'd probably get me fired. It would if he was here. And he said, you know, I, I've come to realize Jesus doesn't actually want people to worship him. He wants people to follow him. And I just want to put him in a headlock and be like, hello, McFly. To follow him is to worship him. I'm not playing Simon Says. At the end of Matthew, it says they worshiped him. Jesus has said my father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and truth and if you've met the father well then you've met me and oh by the way the only way to the father is through Christ he is the way the truth the life nobody gets to the father except through him well what about all the other religions none of them worship the one true God I don't say that with arrogance This is why missions exist. If it didn't, if if every other religion was worshiping the one true God, and well, well they'll they'll be in heaven if you don't tell them the gospel because they didn't know, then we'd be fools to send out missionaries. It'd be crazy. Of course, Jesus desires to be worshiped. Why? Because he's insecure? No, because it's what your heart was made for. Oh, and he's good. He reveals himself so that you will know you're not king. He is. He desires to be worshipped. Therefore, magnify him. That, that man in Portland is probably lost. He's a lost man. So we should pray for him. And we should pray that God would have mercy upon this man because he's leading other people astray to, to silly thinking. We need the word of God. Jesus, in this text, in Philippians, it says he was lifted up upon a cross so that you and I, because he humbled himself to the point of death, he was lifted up on a cross so that you and I, a very humble people, not because we're humble, but because we're low and we could never get to God, could be lifted up in an exaltation with him. In the heavenlies. So I, Christ came. You could never get there. You and I could never evolve to come to a point where we'd be worthy enough to worship the one who is worthy. Therefore, he came and he put on flesh. That's what it means, incarnation, carne, meat, right? You get it? He put on flesh. He lived among us. He tabernacled God with us, Emmanuel. This is what it means. Why did he do that? He did that primarily to go to a cross and die. That's why Jesus was born. Well, why would that be the reason he came? Because the wage of sin is death and you and I deserve death, and Jesus willingly took your death, my death, upon himself when he put the sin of the world upon him and received the wrath of God in our place so that you and I could receive his righteousness, receive forgiveness, receive life with God. Therefore, you ought to spend every moment of every day the best you can recognizing Jesus is far greater than anything this world has to offer. Oh, praise him. And just to show that what he says is true, on the third day he resurrected from the grave, defeating Satan, sin, and death. And he says, now come to me. Why? Because this is where life is found. Oh, and by the way, this is life abundant. Not what this world has to offer. Family, Jesus is calling us to live our lives as worship. Not to coldly attend a worship service once a week. That's what he's called us to do. It's what he's called us to do. So what will your response be? My hope, my prayer all week is that we would join Mary, that we would join her, that we would seek to make much of him. By the way, uh, God has designed his people to shed light on the world, not as the blazing sun, but as the moon that reflects the light. He's the light. We reflect his light when we stick close to him. So let's worship him. And we're going to continue to do that as we continue our worship service. Will you join me in prayer? Father, thank you. Whew, thank you so much for sending your son, not because we were worthy. You sent Jesus to seek and to save the lost, those who are weak, ungodly sinners. That is when Christ died for us. It's not when we cleaned ourselves up. We could never clean ourselves up in a million years, a billion years. You came to make sinners clean. You did not love us because we were lovable. Your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, the blood of Christ covers us. That makes us lovable. Oh God, I pray that we could join John and ask in our heart that you might cause us to decrease and that in our affections, in our heart, in our mind, our mouth, in every thought and attitude that we have, you'd be magnified, that you would increase. We need sight because if we could see you for truly as beautiful and, and glorious as you are, All this would care for itself. So Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would just come heavy upon a people and open our eyes to see the glories of the gospel and that we would worship you appropriately. We ask this in Christ's beautiful name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon. If you found it helpful, we encourage you to enjoy more of our sermons, find out more information about For the City, or how to partner with us through prayer and giving at www.forthecity.church. For the city exists to magnify Jesus by making disciples who share and show the transforming power of the gospel and plant churches that multiply."